0: Welcome to a very special edition of the K Red Radio podcast. I'm your host, Chris with a K. We are here with the infamous Kevin Jackson here <laughs> um, of Bleed Blue. Am I saying that right? Bleeding Blue. Bleeding Blue here at the third annual Chandler International Film Festival. We're outside Flicks Brew House um, here in Chandler. It's a lovely venue. Um, it's you amazing. can have craft beer as well as watch amazing films. So, what a cool. Place and thank you so much for coming on.
1: My pleasure, man. Good to. I saw you the other night when we were doing the red carpet. So I'm actually flattered you brought me back.
0: Oh, get out of here! That was so <laughs> much fun. I had a great time uh, at the opening ceremony.
1: Yeah, and I don't like that you have a better beard than I can grow, but that's a whole other issue. will oh, get out of here. Get out of here. It's funny.
0: This is uh, I had to avoid the baby face. Because oh, people is were like, Are you is? 17? I'm like, No, I'm a man. I, I swear. So He's I a man, beard. Daniel. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Well, um, you know, I really wanted to, to have you on here because um, here at the Kira Radio podcast, we, we like to talk about um, anything and everything that's rad. And I think that this the message. This absol- is The message that you have with your film, um, I think, is very rad. It's very interesting. And, um, I would love to hear, um, a little bit more about the film and kind of where it took you in your creative process.
1: Well, so Bleeding Blue is a film about policing in America. And the problem, the reason why we made the film and my wife's right there is because the, the narrative, it's a, it's just a BS narrative that cops are doing out there doing these evil things to people, particularly blacks. And I happen to be black for those listening to the program and, um, you know we just wanted to change the narrative because what happens is people pr- propagate these lies and then the black community is left in the in the wake of this devastation because guess what cops don't want to go police black neighborhoods it's a dangerous thing to go i mean phoenix doesn't have that big of a problem but go to chicago go to new york go to baltimore go to cleveland this problem is real and the really the reality of it is uh, 3% of the population, these are young black teen men, are cre- are committing almost 50% of the violent crime in this country. And cops are not out to get blacks. Blacks are, are creating a situation where we've, we've got to over-police in these neighborhoods, and now police are being you know targeted and killed. So the project was around Bridging the gap to make a real-life understanding of what's really going on in the community. Now, look, this is controversial because the politically correct thing to do is just let it rock and, rock and roll as it is. You know, let's believe that police are vicious killers of black people, and let's watch Kaepernick take a knee and pretend that there's this you know uh, vendetta out that every cop has against blacks. But then there's the real truth, and so the movie was made to sort of to document the truth and let the truth, you know, set people free.
0: Very interesting. Well, I think that um, there is definitely a lot of controversy with it because there's always two sides to every coin. And I think that often what gets propagated in the media is the alternate view, which is that there is um, kind of the structural um, or um, gosh, would you like the social class racism, is just racism and, yeah, um, and targeting of
1: blacks? And, and uh, you'll hear things like racial profiling and things like this. Look, Everybody, I love these topics because it's like profiling. Look, everybody profiles. I don't know if you're married or you may want to get married. You're going to profile the girl you decide to make your wife or whoever you decide to make your partner. You're going to profile that person. You're going to ask them to have certain aspects and characteristics that you like or don't like. You profile the business you want to work for. You profile the people that you want to have in your life as friends or family or, you know, or whatever. So this idea that cops are not spo- are for, supposed to forget the human nature of things. Look, if people are wearing the uniform of the thug and you're in Compton and you see guys with their pants hanging down and they have the look of the gangbanger, you better treat them like a gangbanger and not like your banker or you're probably gonna end up getting robbed.
0: That's fair, and I think that um, we do have to acknowledge that there is racism and there is, you know, definitely profiling and things going on that are negative. Like, there are instances of that, but I think that, um, to your point, that that's what gets talked about and blown out of proportion. And I think that um, it's definitely something that can get better, Um, and I think that it's really cool that you're shedding the light on the positive side because I myself have interacted with a lot of police officers. Granted, I'm not a person of color, But I can say that 99% of the folks that I've interacted with have been courteous and they're genuinely out there for safety. I know police officers personally. Um, And that's not to say that that speaks for the entire community of police officers, because there's always going to be a bad egg and, you know, whatever you're whatever group you're looking at well Um, but let
1: me let me say this so you're you're obviously a white guy you say not a person of color i'm just going to call you out you're a white guy okay it's fair (laughs) and here's the deal if you're a jerk to a cop he will pull you out of a car and he will throw cuffs on you as quick as he will anybody else but if you're nice when you say i've had good interactions let me tell you why you've had good interactions because you've been good You've said, hey, officer, what, you know, what was I doing, and all these other things. When you find in, in overwhelmingly the number of cases when people get you know, rousted by the cops, it's because they're being jerks. I had a cop in Cleveland tell me, Kevin, he goes on his, he goes real talk. He says, if you're black, you practically have to, you have to make me give you a ticket these days. He goes, because I don't wanna deal with the hassle. And this is a Puerto Rican dude. He goes, I don't want to deal with the hassle. He goes, it is easier for me to let you could curse at me, you could do he goes, now you can take it too far where well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the bracelets on you. But he goes, for the most part, you could curse at me, talk about my mother, whatever else. I'm gonna leave you alone. I won't even write you a ticket because I don't want to deal with that. We we cannot let things like that happen in this country to where we completely ignore people that are belligerent towards police. Look. If a person's willing to, to tell a cop "f you, f the pig" or whatever, what do you think that person cares about you when you're walking through their neighborhood?
0: Right, but I feel like that's also because um, I agree with you 100%. And I feel that um, education is a huge part of that. And I think that a lot of times um, education in some of those like you know heavier um, African American like communities, like in Compton, let's say. Um, the education of how to interact with the police officers isn't there and so the only thing they have to go off of is what the media is saying and is what um they see in movies and i feel like that is a huge part of the problem let me
1: tell you man what's funny about that is you couldn't be more wrong blacks know more how to handle policing we we talk about cops in the black community more than in- white families don't grow up, and I mean, you, your your family might say, "Look, you be respectful of the police and you know, don't give a cop a hassle." Black folks are—we are told at a young age, you know, you, you know all the things to do. You know, don't run, don't do the just cr- immense amount of quote education. Really? Yes. The problem is. We, we live in a culture where we say openly F the cops. We live in a culture where we say snitches get stitches. You cannot be seen being friendly with the police in any way. Do you, have you seen the stories where like, a, like a, a, a law and order where a rapper gets arrested and they, it's the wrong dude? He's like, no man, hold me for a day because it'll help my street cred if I'm in jail for a day or two. Things like that. It's a completely different thing. So we understand how to deal with the cops. It is part. It is part and parcel street. You, you get your bona fides on the street by, by telling the cop F you and all this other stuff. So what do you mean? We, we're the people that show the number of bullet wounds. 50 Cent got famous because he got shot seven times. That was the deal. I it was
0: nine, actually. Whatever.
1: Yeah. yeah, you get what I'm saying? That And so if he'd only been shot three times, it wouldn't be as big of a deal as seven or nine. So you're out bragging about the idea that you disrupt the system and I made that cop have to give me a beatdown. So that this idea that we need education is not the case. We need a whole different cultural shift.
0: I was going to say, but where does that root come from? Like, if if there needs to be extra education for Black people or kids, if it's talked about so much more so in the Black community, what is the root of that? The why is that? It, why does that need to be? Why does that need to happen? Because I feel like if there wasn't a problem, then it wouldn't need the,
1: the that root, much attention. The root is family, man. Where a fa- like your father would never tell you to, to tell the cops, f the cops, and and resist. and and, you know and all this other stuff your father would say look if a cop approaches you put your hands up what do you need officer blah 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 we are taught in the black community to be defensive to be disruptive to be Defiant to police that's in that we're educated to do exactly the wrong thing So when you say and we know by the way, what is the right thing? The problem is the cultural thing if a kid is shown being this being respectful to the police He's probably gonna get his butt kicked in his community, right? So that's the problem It's a cultural thing that has to shift so, you know, look, I, I understand everybody wants to solve the problem, but, uh, you know, and, and they had they th- feel like they, they know what the way it is. But, man, in the hood, it's a very different lifestyle than where I'm sitting right now. And I grew up in it.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, can you tell us a little bit more about your background?
1: Yeah, so my dad, I, you know, my mother died when I was five years old. My dad was in San Quentin for my almost my entire life. He was a stick-up man. And I grew up in you know, the, the lower middle class black community in San Antonio, Texas. I wouldn't call it the ghetto, but it certainly wasn't anything like where I'm sitting right now or how I live today. Right. And, and so I, I tell people the story of my grandmother taking me to a shootout you know, and people are like, what are you talking about? Yeah, my grandmother woke me up one day and said, hey, we got to go. Your uncle is in a shootout with his brother-in-laws. And me and wow, my...
0: that's like Wild West vibes. That's like Arizona vibes from like 1800s. Like <laughs> it, <you> would. <laughs> this it, is tombstone,
1: man. Yeah, man, I mean?
0: modern-day tombstone. Are. All right. Yeah, so, you know, wow. and, and
1: I tell stories about my nephew saying, hey, you know, Uncle Kevin, I had to shoot my best friend because he was in a beef with my little brother. And people look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, no, that's the hood. You know, and, and I won't bore your listeners with the story, but th- that is a fact. My nephew shot his best friend, and here's a quote: I, "Uncle Kev I only shot him in the stomach, so he knew I wasn't trying to kill him." Now, that is a quote. Jesus. Now, if you think you, if your listeners can understand that, then tell me about educating the black community, because I'm telling you, most of your listeners are sitting there going, "Who? Who is this guy? He's a madman!" You know?
0: <laughs> no, but, no, it's it, you're totally in. You're totally on on the cuff because i think that just like we said when we started there's two sides to every coin and i feel like you have experience you've been in the community you've been involved and you're educated and you're here to educate a lot of people and shed light onto what you see as truth because you've been on both sides. And I think that that's so important to have your perspective because there aren't a lot of people like you that have experienced both and that are willing to take the time and the effort and build the resources to do a film, to come on to our podcast, to put yourself out there because there are a lot of people who will disagree with you just to disagree with you because that's just what they have been fed what they've been told what that's they see true. which is acceptable and i heard was there a little bit of heat in the uh after the filming in the uh
1: no no the actually actually everybody was pretty uh pre- they felt like it was pretty much spot on i think what was surprising to most people was that they said it was so balanced because you know i'm sort of known as as a uh, you know the conservative black guy and and they figured it would be highly politically charged but it wasn't it was a true and, and and for the record I, I don't have a political ilk. I consider myself a pragmatist. I believe in what's right over what's wrong every time, even when I'm doing wrong. Right. So, you know, I, when I made this film, Melissa and I made this film, and our other partner, Kenny. Uh, the idea was, let's tell the truth about what's really going on, because how are we going to solve a problem if we keep sweeping the real truth under the rug?
0: Right. No, absolutely. And I think when all the resources and all the hype gets put onto one side, and the thing is, is that there shouldn't even be sides. There should just be the truth. And unfortunately, people have different truths. And so, what they experience in their life is what they see as their truth, and I think that the ability to take yourself out of your own shoes and to look at it from a different perspective is a skill that not everyone has and so that doesn't make everyone able to understand, oh okay, this is why this is happening, I should not do this, or let me look at it from this from this angle. And I think that people get so locked into peeking aside, it's almost tribal, where you're like, Okay, this group of people, I agree with them on X, Y, and Z, so I'm gonna jump over in this bucket, and then before you know, you're caught up and believing stuff that you don't even necessarily believe. You don't know why you're following. You don't know why you're a part of this. Well, and I think it happens that, on both sides.
1: Well you said the right word and it is tribal, but let me just show you the the uh, the problem with how most a lot of blacks, far too many blacks view this. So you they say something along the lines of there's too many police in the black community. So I would ask a question, well why? Well there's a lot of crime in the black community. Well who's create, who's committing the crime? It's blacks. Blacks, we commit 93% of the crimes that we commit are against other blacks. If you go to a black community, it's not guys like you driving through, you know, throwing rocks or doing drive-bys. It's, I it's, mean, I'm a
0: punk. I've had my days. <laughs> For sure, I'm a punk.
1: Yeah. But you're not committing crimes in the black community. That I assure you. I, I don't want to sound like Trump. But That's this true. I assure you. Okay? <laughs> but, but, but here, but it, huge. Right. He's huge. huge. He's huge in the black community. Now, but here's huge. the deal. So not only do we commit these crimes, but cops come over. Well, once somebody, if a black guy's killed another black guy the detectives who have to solve that case are cops. When the cops solve that case, you know who they're consoling? They're consoling the mother, the father, the sisters, the, the wives, the brothers, the cousins, the friends of yet another black guy.
0: Absolutely. And I think another piece to this, and I think I haven't seen your film, but I'm really excited to, to view it. And I feel like um, just the perspective of a, of a first responder, my my girlfriend is a first responder and hearing the stories. When you're actually on the front lines dealing with these problems every single day, it's exha- I would just think it's exhausting, it's draining and the the quality of life and the way that these people are trained. And the just the amount of volume in some of these larger cities of people literally at their worst that they're well, dealing with every single day, like that is so taxing. And I am so thankful we have peace officers because could you could you imagine if there wasn't that that like buffer?
1: Oh man, look, the, the, your your girlfriend being a first responder, God bless her. I mean, this gentleman right here, he's a pol- former police officer. We talked to him at the show, but here's the deal. I, and I, this is what we found out in doing the film. So one of my buddies goes, Kevin, do you know at every suicide there's a cop? Every suicide, police show up. I don't care whether you jump, you shot yourself, you, you, you cut your wrist, whatever. A cop has to show up, then the coroner, but a cop shows up and makes sure it's a suicide. So just think, every death that occurs, every bad thing that occurs in this country, a cop has to be there. And what that psyche is. Uh, I, we studied it on with cadaver dogs. I don't know if you, so when there's a building collapse, an earthquake, they have cadaver dogs. Right. And these dogs go and they look for bodies. And they go and, and they find nothing but dead bodies. And do you know these cadaver dogs get depressed? They, they have to retire them. They were retiring them because the dog wouldn't want to go look. So now what they do is they plant a live body. So the dog can actually find a live body. They'll have someone
0: to lift their spirits, to lift their spirits so they
1: can go on. So I want you to think about these are police that have to go into the worst of the worst. They're going into buildings tumbling down. They're going into car wrecks. They're going into mass robbery, whatever. I mean, mass shootings, everything that happens negatively. In this town and every town across this country somebody has got to go and deal with that man and, and eat that sin that somebody else created what do you think that's going to do to you over time so it's a tough job made even more tougher by politicians and people who don't give a crap and you know for the people that do it i tip my hat to them and that's why i say to myself when i meet with a police officer i go i don't know what he or she's been through But I bet it's a hell of a lot worse than anything I've been through today. So I'm the nicest guy on the planet. I train these guys in martial arts. I'm a a martial artist myself. I've trained more police officers. Yeah. And I tell, no matter what I could do to them physically, I would never do anything to harm them. Because I look at it as, man, I don't know what your day has been, but it's got to be worse than mine. So I'm going to make sure you leave this call going, thank you.
0: Agreed. Absolutely agreed. I can tell from first-hand experience, like, you think you've had a bad day? Imagine dealing with a gunshot victim or someone that literally fell from a plane and you're trying to save their life and, you know, there's just stuff everywhere and it's just chaos.
1: Oh, it's the you kids that's the worst, though. These guys will tell you, you know, you go to a seven-year-old that got, there was a seven-year-old that got killed and she got shot in a drive-by, killed in a parking lot of a, of a Walmart. You know, uh, friends. One of the guys in the film talked about going to a house where kids had nothing to eat. One kid was playing in his feces. You know, uh, hadn't eaten in days because the mom was a crackhead. hadn't even come home. I mean, the the horror stories I could tell you would make you just go, okay, enough, Kevin, enough. Yeah, and it's man's inhumanity to man. It's and it's what's worse is it's parents neglect of kids. You know, it's families neglect of family, family killing family, things like this. In every one of those situations, a cop has to go and deal with man. So rough life.
0: Hey, rough life. Uh, But I I will say that the fact that we have people with a voice that are trying to shed some more light on it to try and make things better, I think, is the overall. Because, I mean, by showing, hey, you know what, this is actually what they're dealing with, hopefully that can create some understanding. Because I think that education and understanding how to interact and trying to minimize, you know, the amount of negative interactions people are having with the police, um, I think we'll go, just go to help everyone. It's like the golden rule, right? Treat your neighbor. I think that's just something that needs to be propagated itself through society again. Um, and, you know, I, I feel that um, through a lens like yours that gets that gets brought more to the forefront so um i really appreciate you sharing with us i wanted to get your take though too because this podcast normally focuses mostly on musicians um, and entrepreneurs so um do you have any artists specifically that you look to um you know that you get inspiration from or who, who do you like to jam so, out to
1: so what's cool is in this movie we have a lot of friends that are in music i'm a terrible musician but i love to play love to play keyboards but uh, 20-pound 20, 20 sledge did the soundtrack for this film. It's absolutely phenomenal. Sick. Yeah, yeah. A buddy of mine out in California. Uh, one of one of my friends in Florida did the score, and he's a very good musician as well. In fact, one of his best friends is a drummer named Lee Levin, who plays for everybody. He plays for Katy Perry. Uh, Beyonce, all of them. Lee's Lisa, 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 an amazing drummer.
0: Queen Bee, uh, shout out.
1: Yeah, but uh, as far as like my musical tastes are really stuck in this crazy era. So, and, and it's very d- eclectic, okay? Okay, try me, let's go. All right, so I am a huge Kenny Loggins fan. What? Yeah. And here's what's interesting before you look at me with that crazy look, like this brother's like Kenny Loggins, right?
0: <laughs> no, it's cool. Kenny, I like it. Kenny
1: Loggins is the second most sampled musician in hip hop. Kenny what? Loggins. You know who's number one, the number one most sampled uh, person in hip hop? Yeah, mind blown, James Brown. James Brown wow. and Kenny Loggins, yes. James Brown and Kenny Loggins, number one and number two. I didn't know this, I was talking to a drummer and I, on a, coming back from a plane, I was on a plane ride been to a musical deal and he's this kid is a great drummer and he says I said to me man you're gonna freak when I tell you I'm mean, not I, Kenny Loggins is my guy he goes he goes Kev Kenny Loggins is the number two most sampled that's guy in God. hip-hop I was like get out Kenny Log- <laughs> people think of Kenny Loggins is like you know danger zone and foot you know, footloose and all that this dude has stuff on albums man that will blow your mind so anyway I'm a huge Kenny Loggins fan that's awesome yeah uh, and I'm like I said I'm old school I'm, I'm like uh, you know earth wind and fire and uh, you know, guys, you, you you guys, you kids are. You're, you're, my son will hear something on the radio that's 30 years old, and I'll go, man, that that's old. He's like, no, it's not. It's like new. I go, no, like you, no. They
0: sampled that, no. you know, like Dreamweaver on like Eminem's like album back, you that, know, when that was like, oh, this is the first time I heard it. And then my dad's like, no.
1: Oh, right, right. No. We're listening to these things, going, are you out of your mind, man? That's like Sting from <laughs> 1963. You know? that's, right. Bu- that's Bowie from 1974. God, you know? I
0: love Bowie, but no, I have I have an affinity for older music. Um, especially rock music. Okay. Um, give,
1: me a, give me an artist. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a real big uh, Steve Perry, uh, Journey guy. I love Journey. Uh, do you, I don't know if you know who those guys oh, are. Oh, no, I know Journey.
0: You know what's fun? Random fact. I went to school um, at McNary High School in Salem, Oregon, and the drummer for the touring drummer, um, his son
1: went okay. to our school
0: yeah so i've seen the sticks i love the sticks i love um god led zeppelin yeah. is awesome yeah so those uh, are all those black are, sabbath yeah those like, are
1: the those are the main stage yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly
0: yeah. um but i was gonna ask you too like what is your opinion of uh hip-hop you know I, in terms of, like i love kendrick lamar like kendrick is my like kendrick j cole like those are my guys br- like those are true wordsmiths i
1: gotta bring my hip-hop artists over here she, this girl here is into <laughs> everything yeah um, I, you know, so I I'll, I'll give you my little, little lesson in hip hop. My favorite song in quote hip hop is uh, "Gold Digger." <laughs> by, okay, by okay. Kanye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Yeezy. That's my boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So that that's my that's like my all time favorite song because I just think it's such a creative, uh, creative song. And I've heard the guy's a musical genius, but I couldn't name four. I couldn't name t- another Kanye song. Uh, I know Jay Z song "99 Problems" and this ain't one. You know, but I'm not into that genre because I am I came up in a time where music really meant something, all the chords, and I don't like the sampled beats and the repetitive beats that you can just program in. I like it when guys are rifting.
0: I'll give you that, and I would say that that's the case with a lot of the, the mainstream yeah. rap and a lot of the like newer people that are coming up. It's just like sampled trap beats, throwing some hi hats, you know, you've got a song. But I will tell you that um, some of the stuff on Kendrick and J. Cole, like they're true wordsmiths. And, I believe. And it. They're, their sound is so good. Like you have got Dre working on their beats. Like real hip-hop, you know, producers. You know that are like in the mix. They're in the culture, and it's it's a vibe. And I believe it. I man. highly recommend.
1: Now I believe in and, and like I've I've heard uh I, what was the guy uh, Jason Derulo as an example, okay I mean kind of bubblegum stuff but and uh, the weekend and people like that I I wouldn't know them but I'll hear their music and I go I like that I like that group. right you know but I'm, but it isn't like the old days where there was only like eight groups when I was growing up there was Earth Wind and Fire there was Confunction. there was Brick you know there was only maybe ten groups you, that's all you had to remember because they were the ones putting out all the music and it was all Motown. But nowadays, man, you know, you don't know who's gonna be on a label. They can do it on their own now. And by the way, my favorite music when I put on like a, a X, XM radio, mm-hmm. I like to find the obscure station where I don't hear the same doggone song 50 times a day. I wanna hear something fresh.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's where the indie artists come in. Yes, and what's fantastic about this day and age in music is that everyone has the ability to DIY to make their own stuff. Yes, and getting access to high quality studios is always still a struggle, but it makes it a lot easier for the music to get out there to be shared for a genuine message to you connect with. That's not just the radio. You People got it. aren't tied to the radio, and I think that that's just you know. A sign of the times. I think that's a positive thing that's come from social media and the ad, you know advantages of the internet and everything. Um, even this podcast, like we wouldn't be able to have a radio show um, with the, without the internet.
1: Technology so. is amazing, and, and that part of it I love, and I hope that it. it and I know it already has, but. I want to see more of a generation of youngsters coming up and and uh, and finding their voice. I mean, whether you're doing radio, whether you're doing TV, which I do both, or whether you're a, a I mean, I love writing. I'm a I'm a prolific writer. I've got three best-selling books, but oh, what are those called? Yeah, they're all political humor. But 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 the point of it is is that when you find your voice, however that is. That is, the, that is the best thing. It's like Mark Twain saying, you know, the best, two, the, the only two days that matter, the day you were born and the day you were find out what you were born to do. And I just think that is so profound because, you know, there's so much out there, so much inside of people that you want to draw out, whether it's music, film, you know, whatever it may be, or the written word
0: absolutely and i agree with that 1000 percent. because there is genius inside of everyone and when you truly put your passion to the forefront and you try and you go out there and you do what you feel is your truth that's when you can achieve self-actualization you can be truly happy in my opinion if you're chasing your dreams even if you're not making money even if you're not whatever you just go out and do it try it life is short and if you're not out there for yourself then you know who are you living for and I feel like serving a higher purpose and serving your dreams and chasing after what you genuinely want to do with your life
1: well I'll tell you my little quick story on that so in 2009 I left management consulting I was a management consulting flying all over the world my degrees were in electrical engineering computer science and math I left that to become a a sales guy and become a management consultant. I left that in 2009 to write my first, I never thought I could write. I wrote my first best-selling book in 2009, the next one in 2011, the next one in 2014. So I'm late on the next one. And then I decided to make a movie. Now if that isn't the most crazy, you know, direction of anybody if you were ever gonna like go make a movie and become part of Hollywood you certainly don't go well first I'm gonna get my degree in engineering computer science and math (laughs) and then I'll go make a movie you know you just don't do that so you don't know what direction your life is gonna go so you know learn everything you can take take in the experiences of it all and you don't know where it'll twist you, but it'll take you where you ultimately want to go. I gotta leave it there. I gotta get my kid to baseball.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you again so much, Kevin Jackson. All right, buddy. Really appreciate it. My Special edition of the Kara Video Podcast. Stay tuned for more guests. We're here at the third annual Chandler International Film Festival. And nice catch.